lessons cover a really wide span. We start in the beginning, the very dawn of creation, and then we go all the way forward to Christ's baptism. And somehow these two events are related, but it's a little hard to see across the span of history. Now, some of you may know I studied history in college, and I found through my teachers that sometimes what helps you to see the connection between events in history is to have an illustration. And so I'm going to do that for you today, but I want you to remember first and foremost, I went to seminary, not art school. So in the beginning, we have God, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And they're hovering together in perfect relationship. And together, they create the world. And they separate the land from the waters. And yeah, and he did a much better job of creating the world than I did, but y you get the point. And it was good. And yet, not complete. And so God creates man to have dominion over creation and to enjoy it. But yet man, even though Adam is in perfect relationship with God and with the world, is lonely. So we get the first woman, they're holding hands, and they love each other. And they're not wearing clothes yet, so the hair bow is the distinguishing factor there. <laughs> and all's good for about two chapters. And then we get a snake who comes and tempts with an apple or a pear or a pomegranate, some kind of fruit, use your imagination. And suddenly, what started in perfect relationship is broken down. God goes looking in the garden for the man and the woman. Not because he doesn't know where they are, but he's giving them the chance to fess up to what has happened. And yet, the man blames the woman, the woman blames the snake, and there's enmity between the man and the woman and with God. And what started in perfect relationship is broken, and God kicks them out of the garden. And there's darkness in the world for the first time, a spiritual darkness. But God's not done. You see, we started our lessons with God separating the darkness from the light. And we see that clearly accomplished today at Jesus' baptism. You see, God so loved the world that he wasn't going to leave it in darkness. His original mission to separate the light from the darkness continues with the second Adam. And the word that hover, hovered over the waters is now baptized in water. And we see once again relationship restored because all of the Trinity is at work here at the baptism of Jesus. We have the Spirit descending like a dove 
almost. And we have the Father speaking out words from heaven. My son, whom I love. And we have Jesus, God, and man manifest, lifting humanity out of sinfulness back into right relationship with God. That's what Jesus' baptism is all about. But what is our baptism in Jesus' name meant to be? In our baptism, we have John's baptism of repentance. In our vows, we promise to persevere in resisting evil and whenever we fall into sin, to repent and return to the Lord. But ours is not just a baptism of saying, I'm sorry. We do more than repent. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit and we enter into the kingdom as sons and daughters so that we too can hear the voice of God saying, this is my son, my daughter, whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. We enter in to the good news of Christ and we vow to enter into Christ's reconciling ministry to be reconcilers ourselves. We're meant to be agents of God, extending his ministry through our families, our work, and our communities. And we do this by seeking and serving Christ in all persons and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. And if you're anything like me, you hear these vows and you want to say a resounding yes. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. Amen. I want to do all these things, but how? You see, we Episcopalians take our baptismal vows at least four times a year, and we really want to mean them. I want to mean them, but I also know all of the ways that I've failed to keep them, and it becomes a little disheartening, because if you're like me, you believe in faith, hope, and love, and you know that the greatest of all of these is love. And yet, unlike that Beatles song, love is not all you need. I mean, every parent who's looking forward to the start of school again tomorrow can attest that although I love my child, if they spend one more full day at home, <laughs> I just might kill them. And besides credit card debt, many of us have also left the holidays behind with a keen reminder of all the dis-ease and tension that family gatherings can bring. And here I am up here telling you that at the baptism of Jesus, centuries ago, in Christ, we are all reconciled to God and to one another. How? How can I witness to a reconciliation in the face of profound human brokenness? Well, there was a time when I stood on the brink. Like Eve and Adam, there was enmity between me and my spouse. And as I wept and cried out to God in my despair, I remembered God's proclamation. This is my son whom I love. And I knew that it applied not just to Jesus, but to my husband. And I would love to say that this revelation fixed everything, but it didn't. Instead, like a petulant child, I was angry and said to God, well, what about me? And God said, yes, you are my daughter, whom I love. 
God's yep, I love you too, was not exactly the solution I was looking for. I was looking for him to fix it. And yet stubbornly, God implied, I already did. So figure it out. So we did. Will and I spent 10 weeks in marriage counseling, and over time, we climbed back from that brink, and we journeyed to a place of health. We were reconciled, and we left counseling with the epiphany that love really, actually, is all that you need. But sometimes you have to resolve to love each other better. And the ways that Will and I learned to love each other better are not exclusive to marriage. They applies to all the ways in which we love God and love our neighbor as ourself. They apply to children and to teenagers, to singles and to the married. They apply to your coworkers and your boss. Quite simply, they apply to everyone. So if you're stuck coming up with a New Year's resolution that you can actually keep, don't worry. I've got one for you. In fact, I've got one for the whole Messiah family. This year, let's resolve to not only love God and our neighbor, but let's resolve to love them better. This season of Epiphany, Tom and I will be preaching and teaching on five ways that you can love better. We're going to teach you the language of love. Now, don't worry, it's not French or Italian, and there are no vocabulary quizzes. But although at times this language, or more accurately, languages, may feel foreign to you, but through them, you will learn about the ways that you are loved by God and can give love to God and how you can love yourself and receive and give love to others. So what are these languages of love? They are physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, and gifts. And our God offered all five at the baptism of Jesus. We see the heavens rent asunder so that the Holy Spirit could descend and physically touch Christ. And we see and hear the words of affirmation from heaven, the voice of the Father echoing out, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And we see in Christ, the acceptance of a profound act of service. Jesus allowed the one who was not fit to untie his sandal to baptize him in the River Jordan. John serves Christ by baptizing him into repentance. But Christ is also offering an act of service. By being baptized into repentance, the one who had never sinned, Jesus, allowed God himself to identify with sinful man so that all of sinful man could identify God. And Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit had this wonderful moment of quality time. This precious moment and memory has been created and offered as a gift to all who heard and saw then and all who hear and see now. This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And through him, all of us are loved and reconciled to God. And we can be reconcilers by loving better. Because God's love 
and all the ways that he loves us better really are all that we need. I pray you'll join us in our resolution and join us these next five weeks as we spend Epiphany learning more about the languages of love. On the back of your sermon notes page every week, you'll find a homework assignment. There's some questions there to discuss with a friend, to reflect upon yourself, with your family, with your children, with people that you love. Questions and resources that will help all of us to love one another better. Because our God is a God of love. He wants to tell you, beloved son, beloved daughter, I love you. With you, I am well pleased.